0: This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu.
1: My name is John Bell. I'm a band director at Germantown High School in Germantown,
2: Wisconsin. John Bell has been making this show a big part of his work. He says he wanted something more for his students.
3: Something to help bring the kids together more than making music. I'm listening to the podcast each week and thought, this best part of your week is a great idea. So I I borrowed it.
2: John started playing our best things segment for his band classes. And he'd ask his students to share the best parts of their weeks as well.
3: College acceptance letters, getting driver's license, good test scores, siblings coming home from college to visit. They get to know each other better than just coming to class each day and performing concerts together. It's a a more personal connection that they didn't have before.
2: Public radio is more than just the news. It helps you celebrate the good stuff in life, too. And like John Bell said, it helps build stronger communities in high school band halls and across the world. Support this work. To get started with your donation to an NPR member station, visit donate.npr.org slash sam this lifelong band nerd thanks you
4: this is katherine
1: and nate in washington dc
4: and our baby son sam who is 12 days old today
2: Hey, y'all, from NPR, you're listening to It's Been a Minute. I'm Sam Sanders. And this week, we are taking a step back from the news and bringing you a slightly different kind of show. Yeah, they
5: probably don't want you breathing into the microphone, though.
2: (laughs) We say it all the time, but this year has been unlike any other in pretty much every way imaginable.
5: You're going to make funny noises into the microphone?
2: No! The coronavirus has changed everything for us. How we work, how we learn, how we socialize, how we grieve, how we love. And it's not over yet. So as this year comes to a close, we wanted to find out, what has pandemic life been like for you? Hi, my name is Sam. You're the other go. Can you hear me? Oh, can you hear me? Sorry. (laughs) I always forget to unmute. I'm saying. The thing about that question is the answer probably depends a lot on where you are in life, how old you are, and what you've already experienced, or maybe have yet to experience. Can you tell me your name? Jack. Jack. It's good to meet you. Very, very good to meet you. How old are you, Jack? Six. Six. That is quite the accomplishment. So, for the rest of the show, we're going to hear from people of all ages young and old and everywhere in between, talking about what this entire year has been like uh, and what they've gone through since this pandemic began. Campus, are you doing school at home?
6: Doing school at home.
2: You're gonna hear now stories of family, like of friendship, like of heartbreak, loss, and grief, sure. but also stories of hope <laughs> and resilience, because you gotta hold on to that no matter what. Like That's a good reason to like it. So what's your favorite subject in school? Your favorite class?
6: Native studies.
2: What do you learn in that class?
6: Like, we do serrano and kawiyo letters, and we color pictures.
5: He goes to the school on the reservation. We're from Morongo,
2: That's a Native American cool.
7: tribe. So
2: That's awesome. So what did you do this year for your first day of school if you couldn't go to school? What did you do for your first day?
6: Well, we... Did what we've done every day. A little bit of science, social studies,
2: mm-hmm.
6: a little bit of sex on math.
2: Yeah. No parties, huh?
5: Yeah. No parties.
2: You miss parties? I miss parties. I haven't gone to any parties. I miss it. Do you miss it?
6: We, we celebrated my brother's birthday at home. We didn't even hold a Zoom meeting.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you bored having to stay at home all the time?
6: Not really. I like it because, um, well, the toys are better than at school.
8: <laughs> although I wish,
6: uh, although I wish, we had as many books as the school did. Yeah. Our school had way more books than we had.
2: Yeah. Do you like being able to be at home now with your parents so much or with your parents probably all day? Do you like that? Yes. (sighs) You have to say that. I like
6: that my mom and dad are... I like that my mom and dad are are having a hard time. (laughs) And then that leaves me to do all the naughty stuff. That's true. Yes, yes, yes. yes, Like, what kind of
2: naughty stuff? Tell me.
6: Um hurt my brother a lot. That's one (laughs) naughty thing I do.
2: (laughs) So they let Um, you do a lot of things when you're at home.
6: My mom and dad and brother also do naughty things. (laughs) Like blame me since my brother's saying, move out of the way! You're gonna get hit by this car. And I am way far away and it cannot (laughs) hit me. And he has a car launcher and he thinks it could hit me in the head.
2: Wow. Well, Jack, I think you're about to climb off that chair, so that's my cue to let you go. Thank you so much, and I hope you have a great day. Bye. Bye. (laughs) See you later. Thank you all. This was delightful. See you later, alligator. Later, alligator. Later, alligator. hello
7: hi
2: hi i'm sam i'm in a little box i record in this box all the time oh so, like muffle cool. the sound oh, it's like okay. i'm in prison yeah. <laughs> so it, i know right so it's like it's like on a little podium yeah and then, the, and then i have my notes in here and that's how it works all
7: right okay i love the system i love it
2: <laughs> i was telling uh janae like I haven't interviewed teenagers in a while, and I was like, well, what can I do to show them that I'm cool? And I tried to learn a TikTok dance before this, but I was, it was very bad. So you're not going to see <laughs> Which it. Which one? Which one did you try to learn? I don't know. The Renegade something? I don't know. Oh I'm not God, showing you. <laughs> I'm not showing you. You can't Mary see Catherine it. Mary Catherine
7: is very good at TikTok dances. I'm not that good. It's not my strong Wait, point. Wait, can you do one? Um, I can. Can you? <laughs> okay, ready? <laughs> okay. Yes. I'll show
9: you the Renegade. because, like, okay. <laughs> wait renegade
2: <laughs> i like that part i like the renegade that one's that fun. yeah
9: that's fun right? um yeah.
2: okay so to get started i guess my first question for y'all is uh your full names and then whatever title you want to go by
9: okay um i'm mary katherine kane um
7: i go by mary Catherine. okay i'm julia ashkettle and i go by julia
2: all right how old are y'all
7: um, I am 16. I'm 15.
2: Okay. And where do y'all live?
7: Ohio. Cleveland, Ohio. Yes. Cleveland.
2: Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. Okay. What is it, uh, y'all in high school? Were y'all sophomores, juniors? Sophomores, yeah. Yeah,
7: sophomores.
2: Oh, man. That is an interesting time. I was, I hated my sophomore <laughs> year of high school. <laughs> I, I hated my nerd. freshman
7: year, so I hope like sophomore year gets better. But like on the track, it's currently going on. It's really not looking good, but <laughs> it's really going, going down downhill. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. What do y'all like in this pandemic school year? Is there anything fun? Is there anything good about it?
7: Um, I can
9: watch I feel TV like... during my lunch break. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
7: It's I feel like it's so much more relaxing. Like I feel like. Taking a test, I don't know how. Like honestly, Mary Catherine, I have no idea how we got through eight period days. Like now it's only four periods, but it's it's easy. They're ninety minute periods, so it's really hard for me to focus. Oh yeah, same. Yeah. So like when I'm at home, I'm I'm just on my phone.
9: (laughs) Yeah, I mean the Vibans that I have been taking is really coming in handy
2: (laughs) at this at these times. How do you? And this might be too personal, but like I don't know. High school is also about dating. Does that even happen right now? (laughs)
7: I mean I mean not for some of us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was dating someone going into quarantine and we broke up in April, but we literally like broke up over Snapchat. So like that's how weird it was. Over but that
2: Snapchat. Was, how was that? Oh yeah. Uh,
7: I mean, Snapchat. I I know. I was really really sad about it, but I don't know, apparently he wasn't. <laughs>
2: Uh-oh.
7: <laughs> um I guess it, it was just. I don't know if people are like starting to date again. I feel like they are. Yeah. I don't know. Mary Catherine, you know more than I. Do. I mean, there's me trying to manifest a boy to like me, but we're not going to talk about that <laughs> yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, I know.
2: She's got to manifest it. You got to manifest yeah, you
7: gotta it. You got to manifest it. TikTok taught us how to manifest.
2: Do you think that like 10 years from now, when everything is just like, when we've just totally moved past coronavirus, do you think you'll like have forgotten about this stage of your life oh, or no. do you think it's going to be like really formative?
7: Definitely, I feel like this is gonna this was such like a I don't know. I call like the months of quarantine the enlightenment for me. I don't know <laughs>
3: that's so weird
2: explain. I like that.
7: I feel like I've learned so much more about myself and like how I respond to this. and this is like when I'm older, I'm thinking about like my favorite like phases of my life. I'm always gonna think about like when I was like fourteen and going through this and wow. like how I was like I mean how I dealt with it there's a lot of social aspects too, and I feel like I can't always teach my kids like. No matter, like, you always have to take something for granted because it can just go away from you like that.
2: <laughs> yeah. You guys seem really optimistic about it. I mean, like, when mm-hmm. I think about the pandemic and who, like, got the, the worst part of the deal, I feel like students, uh, j- it just sucks. Like, you're not going to have homecoming weird. dance. You're not going to have football games. You're going to miss out on so much. And if I were y'all, I'd be angry. Y'all don't sound too angry. Are you angry about this at all? Do you, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> I
9: mean, there's days <laughs> when I'm, like really upset about it but yeah. obviously there's nothing I can do um except I mean I do tend to blame it on some people um Who? for example our government okay um <laughs> you yeah. know I mean but I'm really thankful also because this um quarantine has made me get more into politics and stuff mm. and just kind of like looking into lives that are like not mine and try to have more of like a deeper connection and like more of an insight into what's going on in the world around me. So I really um actually think that that's been good um because now I like know more of where I stand and more of like what I believe in.
5: Hi, this is Danny. I'm 28 years old and typically live in New York City, but currently live in Florida. Um, Where to start with this pandemic? Um, I guess it starts in December for me. My boyfriend was feeling sick and ultimately was diagnosed with cancer. Um, And we fought it really hard for three and a half months. But in the end he was he was getting worse and had to go to the hospital for a procedure at the end of March. So he just went in there and I wasn't allowed to go with him because of COVID. They weren't allowing any visitors in New York hospitals. It was really very difficult for me because since he got sick in December, I hadn't I hadn't left his side for more than a couple of hours max. So being separated from him because of COVID was incredibly difficult, but I was holding on to the hope that he would come home in just a couple days. But then I got the call that the procedure didn't show what we wanted it to show and there was really nothing left to do for him but put him on hospice care. Meanwhile, we were planning with his family how to get him home for his last few days or weeks. And to do that, we had to get on a special plane and get tested for COVID. His came back negative, and mine came back positive. I remember the nurse came in and waved me out and told me the news And I crumbled to the ground and just started hyperventilating and crying my eyes out. And she just kept trying to reassure me that I was young, I was healthy, I didn't really have any symptoms that I was going to get through this fine. And I looked at her and I said, I don't care what this does to me, it's that I'll never be able to go back in that room and hold his hand or give him a, a hug. A kiss and I won't be able to be with him. I won't be able to be with him when it's time to say goodbye. It's actually a little bit difficult to know what were symptoms and what was just this immense grief that I started feeling the moment he got on the plane. Not the moment he passed. I, the moment he got on the plane. The moment we were separated. I just was overcome with grief. Some days I cry three times a day, four times a day. Some days it's hard to get off the couch or eat. But. Other days, I dance around my house to music that he and I love, and sometimes to new music that I never thought I'd be able to listen to again. And sometimes, I sit here at home with my kitten, our kitten, and she'll stare at the spot next to me. And even though I'm not religious, I've come to think of her Staring next to me because she can see her papa sitting next to me. And then the three of us get to enjoy some family time like we used to. Danny. I'm at the beach today to visit with Jack. He always felt the most at peace when he was by the seaside or watching the water. We have a lot of really beautiful memories in those places. So now, whenever I want to spend some quality time together, I go to the beach because I can always sense him. Today's my birthday, so I wanted to come here.
2: Coming up, more stories of life in a pandemic, including a long-distance call far
0: from home. This message comes from Capital One, offering commercial solutions you can bank on. Now more than ever, your business faces unique challenges and opportunities. That's why Capital One offers a comprehensive suite of financial services, all tailored to your short and long-term goals. Backed by the strength and stability of a top 10 commercial bank, Their dedicated experts work with you to build lasting success. Explore the possibilities at CapitalOne.com slash commercial, a member FDIC. Support for NPR and the following message come from the American Cancer Society. Dr. Alpa Patel leads a team that researches cancer risk factors, and she shares how a new study aims to impact an underrepresented community.
2: The NPR app cuts through the noise, bringing you local, national, and global coverage. No paywalls, no profits, no nonsense. Download it in your app store today.
9: Women have been written off in rap and marginalized in the prison system. Philly rapper Isis the Savior is pushing back against both.
0: Think about the music industry. It's really like only five labels in the world. And who owns them? Old white men funding Black toxicity.
9: Listen now to Louder Than a Riot podcast from NPR Music.
2: This week on the show, life in the time of coronavirus. This entire episode, we're hearing from people of all ages, from young to old, about how this pandemic has changed their lives, a time capsule of sorts of how much we've changed and of what we've all experienced together, but maybe had to process
11: on our own. My name is Trushon Daniels. I am 30 years old and I stay in Long Beach, California. This is my journey going through the pandemic around March. I worked through the company HMSO's at the airport and I was working at Umami Burger and KFC. We had just did a shift bid within that week of the month to get a new shift. Two days later, the manager came in and told us that certain people will have to go to the office, and whoever got a letter had to go to the office. I was one of those people who had got a letter. And... The next day, it was a 100 and something people there, and we all was being let go, and we had to turn in our badges. After that, my mother had received information that the owner had sold the property and that the new owner did not want my mother as a tenant to continue her contract for her to still be a tenant there. So my mother... As a family, we had to pack up and leave. Um, the oldest out of eight kids, so my mother had got a, a hotel. Then the hotel was packed with my siblings and her, so I cow surfed and gave what I could. When I received my unemployment, I was able to go find me a used car, and I stayed there from time to time so I could be able to stack up the money that I was receiving from unemployment so I could be able to feed myself and also stack up so I can get me a, you know, a place. You know, I've been asking people everywhere I see, like, if I see somebody with a uniform that's a city worker, a security guard, you know, I apply for food stamps, I ask, you know, some of the county workers, you know, how did they get their positions? The EDD them how did they get their positions? I'm asking everybody how they get a job. Do you know who's hiring? Where do I go Where's the website? Um, how do I apply? Who do I ask for? You know, this pandemic has been a lot, you know, from going from a virus I'm losing my job I'm losing loved ones Um, also you know people are showing their colors you know racism is stemming high you know things of that nature and we're in a pandemic it's been a whole lot and to keep that energy to rebel against depression and feeling bad and feeling sad. And, you know, I graduated from culinary school. So my heart and my desire, you know, is to cook. You know, to now I have to go into a whole different other field so I can be able to pay rent. It's been very difficult but you know the only thing i can think of is keeping a a glimpse of hope but that has been my journey you know that has been my journey
4: Samantha Villarreal. I'm 30 years old, and I'm from Houston, Texas. My dad, Michael A. Gomez Sr., passed away on July 20th, 2020, just two months and nine days shy of his 60th birthday. My dad died due to COVID-19. You know, there's people out here that say, oh, well, it's underlying uh, medical conditions or health issues and yes my dad did have those but my dad was living a life with those conditions and he was doing okay Um, COVID-19 is what killed my dad a little bit about my dad Um, first you know he was my best friend Um, he was a brother that was very lovable and just loved being a brother um, to his siblings. Um, he's married to my mom for 34 years. Mm-hmm. He worked at Walgreens for 35, um, and he was uh, an amazing dad to me and my brother, Michael Jr. And and he just um, he just loved life, and, and it was very evident when you met him um, that you y- you could just. You can just feel it. You just know. Um, My dad became a grandpa to my son Nathan um, in 2019. And he was doing amazing at that grandpa row. I'm a police officer here in Houston. I have a weird shift. You know, I'm on evening shift. And my dad would call me early in the morning. And I'd be like, Dad, what the heck? Why are you calling me so early? Like, let me sleep. Um, But I'd get up and I'd call him right back. And I'd ask him, like, where do you wanna go for lunch? And I'd I'd get me and my son ready. And even prior to having my son, I'd meet him and I'd take him wherever he wanted to go, whatever he wanted, just whatever. (laughs) Anything to make my dad happy. My dad uh, worked at the Walgreens in my area where I patrol. So uh, that was always a good thing. I got to see him often. He would call me, I would stop by, um, and we were just so close. (laughs) When I say that this has been the hardest thing that I have ever had to go through, I'm I'm not even overreacting. Um, We're talking about like two months of my dad's life where I couldn't even physically see him. I could only communicate with him via FaceTime. When my dad passed away, he was by himself. We couldn't be there. We couldn't touch him. We couldn't hug him. It's been it's been the worst. I mean, there's no other ways to put it. He was a rock. He was the glue. And he's gone. I show my son pictures of him. He's only one and a half, but he knows who his abuelo is. And that's important. And I could go on for hours talking about how amazing and awesome my dad was and hyping him up because I was his biggest hype man.
10: My name is Aarti Singh and I am 32 years old i live in new delhi india and my parents live in silver spring maryland i have not been able to see them because commercial flights have been canceled and i have not been able to go back to maryland or anywhere in america for that matter to see them i am just about to call my mom Hi.
11: How you doing?
10: Good. Hang on, my phone is are you doing up? something funny. What?
12: I said, are you up? Hi, daddy. Up, are you up? Up? Yeah. Say hi, daddy. Hi, daddy.
10: It's your it's your morning. You're you're up. Ma, I just take naps at this time. But, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um. Oh. I yes, daddy.
3: So we have a cheap on yeah. I was too late the
10: No, I got a little bit of a cold. um what about Daddy, it's just a little cold. It's nothing.
3: Don't. I, I, Adi. Adi. Yes.
10: I'm not sad. I'm just kind of sad that everybody's birthday and everything went by and nobody saw each other.
3: No, don't be sad. Then you weak. That means you no, no, no. I'm not Don't weak. care. Daddy, no, I'm not no, weak no. because
10: I'm sad.
3: <laughs> yeah, you see, you don't see. I mean, that means nothing. That's. Ah, the no, no. Only no. thing I want to only thing I want to check yourself. Yes, daddy.
10: I have, uh, a, I have this genetic trait of yours of freaking out about my health and I have checked my temperature four times since yesterday. And every I check time, one
13: time. Oh, yeah. You check it 10 times a day. How right. much do you like Click,
3: clicker?
10: I don't have the clicker. I have a normal thermometer that everybody had in their no, household. Once, the you, once,
3: you, once you, you come, you're going to have it one. you want. i give you. I
10: don't need a clicker. I'm not, I'm not a medical professional. I
12: don't show her something. I can look. Look what's
10: on the dining on the uh, living room table. Coffee I see table. A candle. It's, it's you the an oximeter. T- he checks his oxygen all the time. I guess it's better than not checking
2: it. <coughs>
3: hey, to go cough, cough that. Right?
10: I know, Daddy. Do you want me to not cough with you on the call? You're like freaking out about nothing.
3: Okay, take that. Go sleep, relax, take you, some.
10: You know, Daddy, I'm fine. I just need to rest up. I had a couple of really busy days and I'm just tired.
8: Are you
13: taking your vitamin D and B12
1: and C and all
10: that? Mm hmm. Have lots of water and have like warm water. Don't have cold. Mm hmm. Have warm things. Mm mm-hmm. Okay. I love you. I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye Love you. Love you. All right. Bye. Bye.
2: Stay with us. We end with Words to Live By from The View of 99
0: Years Old. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Progressive. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast
8: Support for NPR and the following message come from Betterment, an automated investing and savings app. CEO Sarah Levy shares why accessibility is central to Betterment's mission. The real innovation
12: for Betterment was taking a set of tools that were used by the ultra wealthy and making them accessible to the average investor.
8: And that includes tax strategies. That includes dollar cost averaging. These are all sort of tricks of the trade. Learn more about automated investing technology at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed.
0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Progressive, and it's Name Your Price Tool. Say how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show coverage options within your budget. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
8: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Homes.com. You don't just live in your home, you live in your neighborhood as well. So when you're shopping for a home, you want to know as much about the area around it as possible. Luckily, Homes.com has got you covered. Each listing features a comprehensive neighborhood guide from local experts. Everything you'd ever want to know about a neighborhood, including the number of homes for sale, local amenities, and even things like median lot size and a noise score. Homes.com. We've done your homework.
0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Bluehost. Try Bluehost Cloud, the hosting plan made for WordPress creators by WordPress experts. With 100% uptime, fast load times, and 24-7 support, your sites can handle high traffic spikes. Visit Bluehost.com.
8: This message comes from NPR sponsor, CarMax. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because CarMax believes you shouldn't just settle for a car, you should love your car. That's why every car they sell has CarMax certified quality, so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. Don't settle, find love at first drive. Start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
2: Hey, listeners, before we get back to the show, I want to remind you real quick if you love what you're hearing, if you love the journalism and interviews that you get from NPR, you can support public radio by giving to your local station. Just visit npr.org slash Sam. That is npr.org slash Sam. Give whatever you can. We appreciate you. Thanks. All right, back to the show. Um, first off, just tell me your name and how old you are.
1: <laughs> Michael Bell, and I am 50 years old. Okay. And where do you live? Los Angeles,
2: California. So, um, tell our listeners what you do for a living.
1: I am a healthcare chaplain. So, I'm, I serve in a hospital setting as a chaplain. Mm.
2: You know, there is a certain protocol. I think that we all, you know, based on watching TV and movies, if not going through this ourselves, there's a certain protocol we expect that chaplains go through when you're in a hospital and someone in your family dies. Mm. How much has that protocol, just you know, being there to talk with the family should they want it, how much of that has just been changed because of coronavirus and the way it has changed how you might have to move through a hospital?
1: Well, what's been really difficult for, I think, chaplains across the country that serve in hospitals is for those cases where uh, families cannot be present. In addition to that, us ourselves donning all of the personal protective gear represents challenges. We're used to much more human face-to-face contact, and it's morally distressing to know what we could otherwise or feel we ought to be able to do in a situation when someone's dying in a hospital that we can't do uh, for any number of reasons during this time in COVID. And that's difficult on everyone, chaplains included, um, yeah,
2: you're being very kind and diplomatic and talking about how everyone's hurting, but yes. like, how are you really doing? How are you really doing?
1: If I go deeper and more personal, I I know in assessing, if you will, clinically, my own condition,
6: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I'm emotionally drained, physically tired. I've exhibited symptoms of secondary trauma and moral distress, chronic stress and anxiety, sleep problems, uh, emotional eating and binging on food, uh, and kind of going into some dark places at times in terms of anxiety and worry about the world and the future. It's, it's it feels heavier.
2: No, yeah, I mean, hearing you say this, like, I think about my job. It's been. Great to still have work to do in the midst of like having to be at home all the time, and like I look forward to work now more than I did before the pandemic, strangely enough, your job seems different. your job is inherently a job that means people will turn to you during difficult times and ask you to help them to to, to comfort them. Does it feel like a burden? your job right now That's, when you're going through all the same stuff we are too
1: it's interesting i what feels burdensome is uh, my life outside of work. <laughs> hmm. I
2: That's can... Fine.
1: I can feel... Um, I can sometimes feel resentful of talking to friends who are not being hit with all the things that I've been hit with in the workplace and not going through oh. the same storm. And they're they're socializing, they're having a good time, they found ways to cope, they kind of joke about being bored, they're doing various things. I... And I want them to be happy. I want to celebrate like I would as a friend normally. But inside, there's part of me, if I'm honest, that's kind of resentful of hearing all this and begrudging. I don't like that feeling at all. Mm. Or another example, Sam, a uh, well-meaning friend or acquaintance asked me, well, how are you doing? They really want to know how I am and what's going on. But giving honest, complete answers to those questions can feel burdensome.
2: Yeah, Tell me about the worst day so far since the pandemic hit at work. Play oh. by play. What made it bad? Sorry if this is going to be triggering for you.
1: No, I, I appreciate your sensitivity. I'm, uh, I, I hear, I'll say this. S- let me be more general. Some of the more difficult days have been uh, when people I know and care about have been directly impacted. Healthcare wise, by this virus. And uh, people I know and care and love and care for have died. Those have
2: been. How many?
1: Uh, I, too many. <laughs> um, and again, I'm, I'm very sorry. Yeah. I'm so sorry. And that's uh, not easy.
2: I know for me, like. I'm not a really big touchy-feely person, but once we're all clear to be out in the world again, I'm I'm going to, with consent, hug every person I see, every (laughs) single one.
1: I'd give you a hug, Sam. When it's safe to do so, I'll give you
2: a hug. (laughs) I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah. I imagine every person you see in council and every family you minister to is different. But is there one thing that you say to all of them? Before you speak to the uniqueness of their situation.
1: Um I'm here. Mm. Yeah. And I I believe on so many levels right now that's that has to be fundamental, and it's one of the best things we can offer each other is to be present. Sometimes if words escape me, or if words escape them and there's mostly silence, um, showing up, being present, so someone's not alone. I'm here.
13: This is Lou, age 72, and Hannah...
8: (laughs)
4: Sixty-one.
13: Okay, we'll go with that. (laughs) And we're from Dallas, Texas. And we met at a Texas chili cook-off for singles. And even though neither one of us had an entry in the competition, I always felt that I had won first prize because I wound up with Hannah.
6: Um, We wanted to have a small, intimate wedding, Uh, so we planned to go to Italy and Greece and get married in Santorini in Greece in June. But we had to postpone due to COVID-19. However, we managed to get married via Zoom
13: in April. It was something. <laughs> <laughs> you know the fu- the fun part of the whole thing was between Facebook and YouTube, several hundred people have now seen us take our wedding vows. And I always say to <laughs> Hannah, I didn't have to buy one of them dinner. I take you to be my wife. I take you to be my wife. To have and to hold. To have and to hold. In sickness or in health. In sickness or in health. For richer or poorer. For richer or poorer. From this day forward. From this day forward. Until death do us part. Until death do us part. Good job. Your turn, dear. Put the ring on his left ring. (laughs) And repeat after me. I take you to be my husband. I take you to be my husband. To have and to want. To have and to hold. In sickness or in health. In sickness or in health. For richer or poorer. For richer or poorer. From this day forward. From this day forward. Until death do us part. Until death do us part. Have you done you
12: have? <laughs> We didn't hear. <Listen>. <laughs>
13: Inasmuch as the both of you have agreed to live together in holy matrimony, and you've witnessed the same before God, and you pledged your faith in one another by declaring and repeating those vows, the joining of hands, and exchanging of those beautiful rings, that by the authority granted me in the great state of Texas, it is my honor to pronounce that you are officially husband and wife. I'm going to kiss you. Got it? You're officially married. I'm going to break the glass that's on the ground.
3: My name is Paul Schmidt. I am 71 years old, and I live with my wife in downtown Chicago, Illinois. A year and a half ago, our son, Will, became engaged to Natalie. There was a usual planning for the wedding until COVID hit. So, as a nationwide storm of fear and sadness swirled around, surrounded by family and friends on little bitty screens, Natalie and Will got married.
4: by the powers vested in me and by the
3: state of New York... We asked my dad to make a speech. He's a, he's a very cool guy, and he always knows what to say. He always has some sort of insight. But my mom actually asked him if he knew what he was going to say, and she said that he just nodded and said, you know, I, I, I think I know what to say. And then for the first time, we all heard his speech uh, for our wedding, and it was totally um, a little life-changing for us. About a year ago, we found out that you were engaged. And we would meet with our friends, and as friends do, they ask you, so how's Will? we would always say, Natalie and Will want to get married. I couldn't say it enough. Natalie and Will want to get married. And so that saying just went to my heart and it made me happy every time I said it. it couldn't, I couldn't have said it enough. And then all of a sudden I realized it's more than just making me happy because it was occurring in the middle of a pandemic when the newspapers are full of grim statistics of illness and death and awfulness. And Natalie and Will want to get married. And that economy is crashing and millions of people are losing their jobs, not having a paycheck. And Natalie and Will want to get married. And in a time of our country when there is so much division by color, by religion, by sexual preference, When borders become walls, Natalie and Will wanna get married. And now today, here we are. And guess what? Natalie and Will got married. (laughs) And if that doesn't give us hope in this crazy world, nothing does. And love wins. In the end, love wins. And we can be hopeful because of you. So thank you, Natalie and Will. Congratulations. And here's to you.
11: Love you.
13: Okay. Okay. So, Mom, uh, say some words. Right now, we're recording.
12: Okay. I'm uh, very glad that uh, we're doing this. And uh, hello, Anne.
13: Hello, Sam. Hi, Anne. I, I think I just heard you. How are you?
12: I'm nervous, uh, but I'm fine. I uh, I'm honored that you think that I have something to contribute.
2: Oh. You have a lot to contribute. <laughs> okay. And Sam and
13: Janae, uh, I'm back. Mom has her water. So.
2: Okay. And before we start, do you have any questions for me? I want to make sure you know everything's clear. Do you have any questions? Oh,
12: uh, no, uh, no. I think I, I can hear you. And if you don't uh, speak any faster than that, then uh, I can follow you.
2: <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I will try to keep it slow. Okay. <laughs> All right.
12: How, how well, many well, 99 year olds have you interviewed in the last year?
2: I've never interviewed a 99 year old. You know, my father, he was blessed to live till 88, and I thought he had really accomplished something, but I'm not sure I've ever interviewed a 99 year old. I'm honored.
12: Okay, so okay, so that's a first. All yes, right. ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> I won the race. Okay,
2: you did. You really did. Um, tell us your full name.
12: My full name is Anne Dorsebag.
2: And you are ninety-nine. Tell me, where are you living right now?
12: I'm living in Louisville, Kentucky, in a very nice uh, uh, house. Here for more than fifty years, and uh, thank God, my son Bob lives two doors up, up the street.
2: What is your daily life like right now, in the midst of coronavirus? What do you do every day?
12: I get up before seven. I put on the news. I eat liverwurst for breakfast. Wow! <laughs> and yeah, uh, a little more than and and what is that green stuff? Um,
13: the, a relish
2: on, the relish. The
12: relish. on top. On toast. And, uh,
2: for breakfast.
12: <laughs> and I do uh, a witch's brew, uh, green tea, regular tea, and coffee, honey, wow. and vanilla. Creamer, mm-hmm. and that's my richest brew, and I have two <laughs> two cups of that, and uh, that gets I, yeah. me going.
2: I'm sure it does. Also, you need to uh, talk to Food Network so they can give you a show, because I want to see how that comes together every day.
13: You should have a cooking show. There's a a, uh, a, a channel on cable uh, called the uh, Food Network. So uh, he the said Food
12: sh- Network, <laughs> yeah, because I I need the liver, uh, you know it. And the honey is um, it's good for the blood.
2: Yeah. Now, you live in Kentucky now. Yes. But you weren't always there. My colleague told me that you were born in Germany and actually fled Germany as a kid.
12: <laughs> and, uh, almost a kid. Well, I lived in Germany, um, of course, since I was born, 21 and in uh, 1933, um, Hitler came to power, and in 1936, I had to leave public school, and then I was uh, lucky that I had an apprenticeship. Uh, My father had a factory, a clothing factory, and there I had an apprenticeship, and then then there was Kristallnacht, You probably know what that is. Yes, ma'am. And we uh, had to leave. And we came to New York, and I had to start uh, making a living. And after we did not uh, find any jobs, my sister and I uh, went into business for ourselves. Uh, So God bless America that uh, two young kids... 18 and 20 could go into business.
2: You said just now that when you and your sister began your business, you said, God bless America. And I'm guessing you feel very positively about a country that allowed you to start your own business and start a life. Do you still feel positively about America as we're dealing with this year? And the pandemic and everything else.
12: Uh, uh, Yes. And, uh, you know, uh, we always said compared to what? We had no furniture. We had no linens. We had no towels. um, We had no dishes. Uh, But compared to what? We were Mm. not in a concentration camp. And um, so it was always uh, uh, compared to what?
2: I understand that you were also in New York City on 9-11 and you weren't just there, you you helped some college students get through that? Tell me that story.
12: Uh, I just happened to be in New York City because my daughter works at NYU and we were caught By surprise, of course, like everybody else, everybody's uh, in the street crying and uh, all the students are there and um, and we could smell the dust. And I was able to talk to the students and uh, console them and tell them that Mm. you just have to pick up the pieces of where you are so you can go on. Mm. We have to take inventory, take inventory of our lives and make a list of our strength and make a list of things that nobody can take away from us. Yeah. I, uh, I made a story that everybody has a toolbox. And make a list of what's in your toolbox. And you'll find when you do that, that you have a lot of tools. You can read, you can write, you can talk, you can walk, you can breathe, you can make a difference, you can forgive, uh, you can love. Uh, So there's a lot of, you, you have a lot of tools, even if you think somebody's taking everything away from you.
2: You know, this year has been so hard and so painful for a lot of people for so many reasons. And I've talked to so many people this year who are just kind of out of hope and they're not feeling too hopeful for the future. Are you hopeful for the future
12: right now? Yes. Why? Yes. 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 Because there, <laughs> there are seeds in the ground that will come up.
2: Mm-hmm.
12: Uh, When I was um, in school in Germany, we uh, went on a school trip, and there was in the ruins a flower between the stones, and um, it always happens. There is a song in German, uh, it says, A new life will blossom out of the ruins.
2: Thanks again to everyone who shared their stories with us. Anne, Paul, Will, Lou and Hannah, Michael, Arthie, Amanda, Trushan, Danny, Julia, Mary Catherine, Jack, and Sam. And a very special note of thanks to It's Been a Minute producer, Janae West. Janae, thank you for your time and your effort on this episode and everything you do for the show. Intern Star McCowan helped as well. And this episode was edited by Jordana Hochman. All right, listeners, till next time, be good to yourselves. I'm Sam Sanders. We will talk soon.
8: Support for NPR and the following message come from Bombas. Bombas makes absurdly soft socks, underwear, and T-shirts. And for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Get 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com slash NPR and use code NPR.
0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure. OCI is the platform for database, application development, and AI needs. Do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic. Take a free test drive at oracle.com slash NPR.
8: All that sitting and the swiping, your body is adapting to your technology. Learn how and what you can do about it. I really felt like
5: the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. Once I started realizing what a
8: difference these little bricks were making, there's no turning back for me.